season two of the Chile Today podcast. I'm Bethany Francis. I'm abroad, living abroad, broadcasting from Santiago, Chile. I explore Chilean news, cultural topics, travel, business, and more with my special guests and our producer, Podcast Pinguino. To read more about the news topics you'll hear today, check out our news affiliate, chiletoday.cl. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you're feeling generous, rate and review. If you'd like to hear about a certain topic, have a story to share, or would like to ask a question, contact me directly through Instagram at Chile Today Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Chile Today Podcast. Um, I'm Bethany Francis, and I think you probably already heard that in the intro, but uh, we have a really special episode for you today because we're allowing Pinguino to speak and he is here with me for the special Halloween episode. Say hi, Pinguino. Uh, uh. <laughs> is, that, is that what a penguin does? I don't, don't think so. Don't do penguins make noises? I know they do, but I don't know. I, I think I just did a dolphin. Uh, yeah, that's you need to figure out what, what, mm. you're, what, you, what you're doing. I mean, he does speak, right? He's a very talented penguin. He's yes. a Magallanes penguin. Um, he does like the cold more than the heat, he has told me. That is true. Well, who does? Who can't? Who who likes this heat? You know, right now. I mean, if you're listening from Santiago, you're realizing we're finally getting some heat. Right now, I think it's kind of fine. I'm still wearing pants. I'm not wearing shorts inside my home yet. So oh, okay. So that's when I'm like, everything's fine. Once I have to like open every window, have a fan on me, eat ice, in like the summer, then that's when I'm like miserable. But I used okay, to do yeah. that. I used to blend ice in a blender. At first, I was like, I'm going to make a margarita. And then I was like, no, I can't drink in the middle of the day because I have classes. I'm a fucking professional. So I'm just going to, like, blend some ice and just eat it throughout the day to stay cool. I just put my head inside the freezer. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But it's really hard to do that while you have classes. Yeah, it's not ideal for a Zoom. To, no, like, inside just the while fridge. you're in class. Like, yeah. just, like, be like, I'm here, profe. Please, uh, I'm here. Just ignore the hum of the freezer. <laughs> yeah, no. Living without air conditioning in the middle of Santiago summer is, uh, is something else, I'll tell you. It takes a little getting used to. Yeah, especially since, well, here in Chile, we've never been very much of an air-conditioned place. Yeah. Except for big stores or, at least in my experience here in Chile. Uh, well, I'm from Chile, so, you know. But I've never, <laughs> never like, I remember... Even it gets really hot and there's never been an air conditioning kind of thing. It's just opening up, opening up the windows. Right, but, which I think is fine. Like, I probably can't handle it as much because I did grow up with air conditioning. And everybody's got to be super comfortable in the U.S. Like, you know, like, it just, you're inside your home. has got to be comfortable, which makes sense. Except for when I'm in my home state of Arkansas and it's, like, super hot outside and it's super cold inside. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get sick. This is not healthy. But... It's fine. You get used to it. We don't really need air conditioning. We're fine. It's not like we're dying. We have a we have shade. Which That's is, true. Which is our roofs. If you're you know have one of those, but yeah, it's fine. I think it's fine. So we have news for you today. Uh, but before we start that, we have a couple of announcements of events happening in Chile now due to the change to which we'll talk about later, us going back into phase three in the metropolitan region. We've had some adjustments to these events. Unfortunately, the event that's this weekend, the Halloween party for the Chistolas, has been canceled to the public because of the limited seating. Now, the horrible movie night, which is where you come and you can watch a horrible movie. Pinguino and I will be there. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be Sharknado. And it's free. It's just fun. That has not been canceled. That's still going on. It's at the Black Rock Pub, November 11th, um, which is a Thursday. More info is going to be on our Instagram, at, at Chile Today Podcast. And then also there is a pub quiz or a, tr a bilingual trivia night, which is going to be super fun. And that's still on November 27th at the Black Rock Pub. So um, those are still a go. And if you have events that you want to advertise, just let us know because we want um, to get you guys more involved in the community and everything. So jumping right into what I was talking about, everybody. I think I, oh, I, think I was nodding while you were talking. So yeah, I'm just saying that, yeah, those are interesting events. Yeah. You can't see me nodding. No. This thing. No. And they're fun. We, um, 
We'll expect to see you there. Yeah, Pinguino and I really like the horrible movie nights. Um, I went to one when I was in Los Angeles visiting my brother, and I was like, this is hilarious. This is so fun. Like, it's such an easy way to meet people, so I really like it. Have fun doing it. And they really like watching movies, so, you know, it's fun yeah, and watching it's, movies. The movie's going to be in English, but there'll be Spanish subtitles, so if you, you have friends that only speak Spanish, it's totally accessible to everybody. So come hang out, have a few beers, meet some new people, um, say hi to us, and yeah, hopefully we'll see you there. So yeah, so jumping right into the fact that the metropolitan region has gone back to phase three. This happened um, October 27th. And um, the government has changed. Like, it's not exactly the phase three that you think. Basically, it's the changes are, are uh, you have to have a pase de mobilidad, your mobility pass, in order to enter certain places that are closed, like movie theaters and restaurants. And then um, the amount of people you can have in closed spaces has, has also changed. So depending on what your closed space is, depending on if it's your home or if you have a restaurant, depending on how big your restaurant is, you need to check those check those rules out. So um, social events, uh, so, so the Undersecretary of Healthcare Network, Alberto Dognac, further confirmed that this will change, um, which is, it changes today, right? While we're recording this. Yeah, no, well, when it releases, Thursday. Okay, so, yeah, when you hear this, that is when the changes. There is no change to the curfew, so don't worry about that. You can still stay out, hang out, wherever you are, as long as you're not exceeding the mobility pass restrictions. So, um, people without a mobility pass, you can't have more than 10 people at a social gathering, um, or even if it's outdoors, um, so we have more, the reason why we started this phase three is because we have more than a thousand new infections nationwide almost every single day. Um, and Enrique Paris, the health minister explained that the government has been super concerned about the situation in the metropolitan region for t- some time and said, which in some days has exceeded 3% positivity of PCR tests. The Chilean government has also expressed concern over the... Um, the ICU um, the ICU the patients people, yeah right yeah. the the amount of people the availability in the, of ICU exactly beds. that's the they one of the reasons there's like strict ways that you have to like go into phase four phase three or phase two and it's one of the biggest ones is how many um, ventilators are um, available and how many ICU beds. So Chile currently has, as of Wednesday, as of the 27th, um, 9,973 active cases, which is the highest number since uh, July 20th, where there were 10,400 active cases, which means people can still infect others even if they are asymptomatic. So um, which so we have about a 3% positivity rate in the metropolitan region. The borders are still open if you're concerned about that, so don't worry. You can still travel here as a tourist. Just make sure you're vaccinated. Make sure you have insurance. Those are two of the requirements. So Sebastian Piñera also stressed the importance of individual preventative hygiene measures and a continued use of face masks and physical distancing if we want to beat the health crisis. So currently, nearly 13.6 million, million Chileans have received two doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. A total of 39 million doses have been administered so far, and only 1.2 million Chileans remain wholly unvaccinated compared to other countries. Chile's, we, you know, we're doing really good with the vaccines, but because of infections are again on the rise, Piñera has said that he wants to adopt a more uncompromising approach towards the unvaccinated, saying, we are going to be tougher and more demanding so that everyone gets vaccinated because that is the second uh, great instrument that we have. Because even if you are vaccinated, you can still get the get the virus, right? And so the idea is if you're getting the virus and you're not vaccinated, you're going to take up those ICU beds, right? So Coquim- Coquimbo, why? Right. Coquimbo's regional health secretary, Alejandra uh, Garcia, expressed frustration at those who are unvaccinated because in his region, the IC bed occupancy rate is 82%. 
and 30% of the cases come from unvaccinated people. So this has put the region's health apparatus under tremendous stress, especially given that the region um, has Chile's second highest positivity rate at 5%. That is crazy for Coquimbo. Like, what is going on in Coquimbo? I have no idea. I think Coquimbo is very rural. Rural? Yeah, rural. But, like, you would think that maybe a place that's more rural would have more social distancing, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird that Coquimbo specifically is the one that's having a lot of problems. I, I, I would have guessed that maybe in the south that we're going to have a lot more problems with the unvaccinated and the yeah. issues with the rising cases. That's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't get that. Um, I mean, maybe there's a connection between like, social... like access to vaccines at some place uh, that's so yeah. rural. I don't know. Mm. If you're from Conquimbo and okay. or you live there and you know what's going on, message us at Chile Today Podcast on Instagram or email us Chile Today Podcast at gmail.com. We're super curious. Um, so I have Penguin and I have both gotten our third dose. Yes. I got my third dose on Monday. Both of us had the first two Sinovax and then the third as Pfizer. So pay attention to those third dose announcements because our age group are getting them this week. So uh, don't worry. If you've missed your day because you weren't paying attention, you can go next week. Don't worry. Uh, just bring a book because the lines are long. But yeah, go get your third dose. It's going to be, it's good. I didn't have any symptoms. Did you on your third? No, I mean, I was just very tired and my arm hurt for the day, but... I, my arm had, didn't even hurt. Yeah, no, I had less. I had more of an effect with the Sinov, with the first Sinovac dose, than for, with the Pfizer. That's interesting. Mm. People and, are people. Are, I don't know. It's really hit and miss. I guess. <clears throat> I'm proud of my body. My body was like, nah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Keep going. Keep doing that. Yeah, because um, the thing about the third dose is that they're getting a lot more stricter with the. Um, Requirements for the pase movilidad. Right. They've already said that if you're 55 or mm. older, your pase de movilidad is not uh, valid if you don't have your third dose. So that's it'll coming. Get blocked. Yeah, it'll get blocked. So that's coming around the bend for our age group at some point. Mm. So get your third dose. You know, that is going to affect, if, especially now we're in phase three, it's going to affect if you can do things like go to the mall, go to the movies, you know, do certain things like that. So keep that in mind um, and get your third vaccine. Yeah, because I think starting November 1st, you're going to get a lot, a lot more strict with requiring the Paso Movilidad for going to the movies and going. Yeah, I've places. been to the movie theater twice recently when we were in phase four. Because um, I finally felt comfortable and I was going to go kind of going on off hours. But before you could even enter the movie theater, even in phase four, you had to have a Pasadena movie theater. Okay. So they were still requiring that. And that might just be the movie theater I was going to. I'm not sure what those requirements are for movie theaters. But oh, man, I also know I'm first we're going to be lowering the ages. That was it. Because they're right now they're vaccinating. Uh, I think if you're over, if you're under 15, you don't need to show your mobility pass. But now, really? but starting November 1st, you will have to, if you're from 9 to, if you're under 9, they're not going to ask. But if you're over 9, then you're going to Right, have so to. children will have to show theirs too. I saw a lot of kids getting vaccinated when I was standing in line yeah, for, same. My, for mine. So, I mean, we're, we're hitting the rest of the population. I mean, that's another thing that we don't consider in this. Like, a lot of children are unvaccinated. They're bringing it home to their families and then spreading it around. So In schools. And schools, schools are just teeming with bacteria normally. Yeah, Imagine just, now. I mean, as somebody who used to work in a public school, like, your, your first couple weeks of school in the school year, you're going to get sick because you're around snotty, gross children who just wipe their noses with the back of their hands and then cough right in your face when they're asking you a question. So, um, and that's teenagers. That's not even small children. So. That's very specific to sound, like, just off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, just like, Miss Francis, can I, <laughs> like, right, I'm like, okay, now I'm dying. The you know so anyway protect yourself that's that's the news for COVID right now so what do you have for us uh, Diego well I, mean, I, we know. I have an interesting story here a uh, bit of a controversy and mm. I, I don't know if I pronounced that right but controversy whatever. controversy uh, so the other day on October twenty fourth at the beginning of the week the the newspaper El Mercurio which is one of the biggest newspapers in Chile. Mm-hmm. They uh, did a huge piece on Hermann Goring. Oh, God. Sort of 
remembering since it's been 75 years since his death. And they explained about his life and they sort of did a small homage to him. Do you know who Hermann Goring was? So I have heard about this controversy. I could not, I was like, my jaw fell to the floor. I was like, who was like, I'm going to do this. Okay, but explain to our audience who yeah. this is. So Hermann Goring, he was the successor of Hitler. <laughs> He was the he is responsible for numerous war crimes during World War II, and he was the the founder of the Gestapo. Why did they do a profile? Like, is he Chilean? No. Why did they do it? They just randomly did a profile of this guy. Because it's seventy five years since his death. Which, by the way, he was he he was he died in Nuremberg during the war crime trials. Who fucking wrote this? I have no idea, but... It the, doesn't credit who wrote it? I don't think it who does. Who wrote the article? Well, I mean, oh I can't... It, uh, probably, I could probably find that information, but I don't know if I want <laughs> to open, open up a <laughs> whole thing. But yeah, like... <laughs> we were going to shame him on public podcasts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't understand how it happened or... Because for a big newspaper... Okay, so we write for Chile Today, and we have at least two people who have to... Uh, approve articles before they go up. Sure, and that's so, a little. We're a volunteer newspaper. Yeah. So I'm just wondering in the in Mercury, how many people said, "Oh yeah, you know, we should publish this piece." This sounds on a Nazi. like a good, a good uh, yeah. idea. And so uh, obviously, communities and people are extremely mad, in right? In fact, the Chilean, the German embassy in Chile said that they they said they publicly said that we don't. It's not our place to say, uh, to tell other newspapers in other countries what they should or shouldn't do. But it is not a good idea to write about this character who was responsible for numerous war crimes and who was one of the pillars of the Nazi regime. Uh, we should not even allow the smallest amount of space to justify or minim- minimize uh, moral or politically. I think I am butchering this. I am sort of. Butchering? Tra- Butchering? Yeah, yeah. butchering. <laughs> Trans- I'm just translating this uh, on the fly. Uh, basically, they they messed up. The yeah, German in Germany embassy, was not cool. With yeah, them. they were angry, and a lot numerous other the presidential candidates also each all of them said about how this was wrong. This is Nazi even apologizing. Even said that. Yes, cast oh. even even cast said that said ah sorry. Even Cast said that, although he did take longer than most of the other ones. Because yeah, the thing is that Cast is his grand, his father. No, his grandfather. He's directly related to not to Nazis. a Nazi officer who escaped uh, the trials by coming here to Chile. So yeah, that and the obviously the the um, Jewish community was also outraged at this, and so El Mercurio in the next newspaper took out. An apology, which I read the apology. It was this tiny, small paragraph on the side of the margins <laughs> that said, "We do not want to, uh, not we do not apologize for the Nazi crimes. We were just informing about." Blah, 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 blah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm I'm still uh, confounded about how this was approved, who thought it was a good idea, and why. I don't, I don't. I don't get it. like what is. I mean, he, again, he, he's not chill. Like what? Yeah, there's is... no relation. I this is the well, that's what really. It's really confusing. I don't because it's I not even. Because did you see the pa- the page? It was a double spread. Oh my god! It was like a huge thing. No, I just saw the reports of it and like I saw them publish it and then I was like, the fuck! And then I saw immediately people who responded to it like the jewish community obviously in chile is so hurt and offended by this rightfully so well let's uh go on to something else that's super depressing so the un actually is criticizing the excessive use of pre-trial detention um from the carabineros so the un's newest report on human rights abuses during the social uprising that started in 2019 finds pretrial detention has been used excessively, particularly against crime suspects. It also urged judicial moderation. Quote, pretrial detention should not be the general rule, but the exception. Referring to official figures, the report highlights a, quote, dissonance and inconsistency between institutions related to the number of current detainees. The situation is reflected in the UN not being able to uh, access up-to-date official figures. Go, you know, go figure. 
<laughs> go figure those official figures, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and the report emphasized the need to reform the Carabineros police force as, a, as any rectification of protocols, quote, must be harmonized with international law. Amnesty International's recent report published on the second anniversary of the social uprising urged reform also. Acknowledging the reduction in the use of riot guns, the U.S., the, sorry, the U.N. <laughs> report warned against the, quote, inappropriate use of tear gas canisters. Girl, um, I, I, man, those things are ratchet. Um, so the, not fun. <laughs> not, not fun. Those things come out like grenade like like those uh, the first time i ever saw them shoot at one of those canisters towards people and i was very close i thought it was like a rocket launcher like oh. what's that like they're huge yeah no i've seen i've seen uh, um i haven't seen them fire it but i have seen them they've landed right next to me oh my gosh and it is very yeah it it, it just comes down like hard. it's a giant piece of metal yeah. that's like if you get hit with somebody did get hit with one of those like i think a year ago or a year a and a half ago i've gotten hit by those, and like died and like because they're they're hot they're huge they're like giant like they're just like crazy. They're big cans. Yeah, like, they're big. Throwing big cans. one of those light lysoform, because that's about how it's shaped. Yeah. Man, one of those coming at you like at a hundred kilometers per hour. Yeah, lysoform is like Lysol. Yeah, like yeah. one of those air like, spray thingies. Yeah, just coming at you, fired from a gun that exploded, coming at you full speed. That's, and and shooting gas. That just, and shooting gas. Yeah. It's not shooting Lysol, yeah. my friends. It's not like making Santiago smell better and disinfecting, which seems like a some something that one of the candidates might suggest. Like, in order to avoid COVID, let's let's shoot let's shoot out Lysoform cans. That would not surprise me. Like putting the guanacos that shoot instead of water. It shoots right. out like Lysol. Like Didn't Lysol. they do that in like La Reina? They like ordered everybody inside and like disinfected the streets. Yes. Like, like, yeah. even after they were like, that doesn't work. Like, they were like, don't go outside. It'll poison you. Yeah, like, for in, not only in Lorena, I think a lot of, La, La Reina, uh, I think in a lot of comunas, municipalities, they did that where they just, oh, everyone can't, you can't come out. We're going to start fumigating everything in the early days. But I think that in La Reina, they did it like way after, like this year. And it was like, why are you doing, yeah. how much money did you spend on this, guys? Probably. Well, interesting fact, the mayor of La Reina is currently under investigation for uh, missing funds. Fun. Buzz. Fun, yeah. <laughs> fun funds. So uh, that's, that's great. Who is the, who the, is um, the? Rodolfo Carter. The guy who every from time. From Chile Vamos? I don't know. I think he's independent, but affiliated with Chile Vamos. Oh, okay. He's the guy who's gotten like a lot. He says he hasn't gotten surgeries, but you see his lips and they're just like every time fuller. <gasps> yes, the guy with the lip injections. I mean, do what you do, boo. I don't care about that. But like the embezzling funds, like don't do that. Don't that, do that. Maybe that's, maybe that, that's how he afforded the lip injections. <laughs> right, oh, he embezzled funds for his lip injections. Oh my goodness. Uh, that would be funny. <laughs> if they put that back, they're like, and he used it for, oh, that would be such a scandal. I love it. Um, so the UN further criticized Chilean police, what? police for not aiding those injured during protests and condemned, quote, harassment and violence against health brigades, human rights observers, and journalists. So once again, the lack of progress in investigating uh, claims of police brutality has been a cause for concern. While the UN valued the efforts by both the, um, the controller's office and the public prosecutor's office to investigate cases, it said that there are sirens. That's very... Apropos yeah, that, during this, it. yeah. So it, it said, "quote Progress is insufficient in most investigations." Uh, Khan Harab, UN human rights representative in South America, said, "quote A generalized sense of helplessness is observed among the victims of the social uprising, with the report identifying quote A lack of recognition of the responsibility of the state." Which I really feel because, like, there have been so many like human rights violations for the like the carabineros and like nothing has been done oh nothing. you don't know the half of it girl don't there's tell a me. lot of oh, stuff man. in the carabineros it is a shady organization and shady, I'm, gonna, shady. I'm, I'm just gonna say this i actually have family members in the carabineros because people always say like oh you criticize them so much when you talk to them uh, yeah i do talk to them every year at christmas people <laughs> why don't you talk to them no thank you i already uh, have to so yeah the carabineros has a lot of 
there's just a lot of shady stuff in there because I've like read about their history and stuff like that. And yeah, it's there's been... a really good article on Chile Today yes, about the history written by a handsome young man, handsome young penguin. Uh, so yeah, they they've been due for a good renovation for a while now because it's just not working out. I mean, it's just I mean, and they're in complete denial too. Yeah, that, that's what that's what. It's not like they're giving like really empty apologies or something because that still would be empty. It's like they're completely like, no, we 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 stand by all of the actions that they have done, and it's just it's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Plus, uh, the, well, the kind of thing that I think they're going to be celebrating their hundredth anniversary. Oh, soon. gross. So oh, man. yeah, that's. Uh, but I think that there have been a lot of talk. Well, not with the current government, obviously, but there have been a lot of talks of doing deep um, changes into the Carabineros organization, even the possibility of founding them again, so to speak. I by mean, the Which I think is the first time that it's really been brought up by presidential candidates and the Constitutional Convention and co- Congress in general. Well, hopefully which, we'll, yeah. we'll give you election coverage as it approaches. It's really soon. It's in November. You know, our next two episodes yeah. are going to be really deep with that. So we'll keep you updated. And we'll see what happens, like if which candidate wins, if that's going to happen, we'll keep you updated. If we that. go to a second, because um, here in Chile we have the the election, and then if no candidate gets 50% of the votes, then we go to a second round. How sexy would it be if we didn't have to do a second round? Because I'm real tired of voting, guys. Yeah. Um, not that I can vote, but I'm real tired of, like, because I'm that person that makes all my friends vote. I'm real tired of dragging people out of their houses to get them to go vote. Not, I mean, because we've had a lot of votes. A yeah. lot of votes. I actually, I actually took count of, and it turns out in the past year I've gone, I've gone to vote more times than I've had dates. Aww, Pinguino! That's, aww, baby. Fun, uh, sla- funny <laughs> slash sad. Aww. Okay, what's the next thing you have for us? Okay, so speaking of presidential candidates... I want to talk about a bit of a, as we say in Chile, cacarita, that's been mm. happening on the right wing yesterday. Some shit. Some shit going down. So basically, a lot of members of the right wing coalition is called Chile Vamos, mm-hmm. which is made up of three main parties, which is the Vopolis, RN, and the UDI. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, the Chile Vamos is supporting their presidential candidate, is Sebastián Sichel, mm-hmm. who's more center right. So the more extreme people in the Chile Vamos want us decided that they're going to openly support caste. Right. Which goes against the idea that they went, they had a primary, so the point was that they'd all support the same candidate. Right. Uh, but now there's been a, the, the more extreme members want to go to caste, so Sichel yesterday had to do a press conference to, be, uh, first of all, tell these people off because it's going against the... Right. The deal they made at the beginning. Right, the coalition. They're going against yeah. the coalition, right? And so Sichu just said, if you want to support Cast, go ahead. Oh. So going, giving the go-ahead to anyone inside Chile. He, so he's basically giving up. Yeah, he's pretty just much. giving up. Pretty much, because I think, I mean, Cast has had, a, according to the polls, he has had a lot of, like, risen up a lot. Right, he's, he's getting the support Sichu used to have. Yeah. Because uh, Sichel has basically been... He's just fallen from grace so bad. Yes, because he's messed up the debate so bad. And every time he gets accused of something, he says, no, that's fake. And then the next day... It, like, it comes turns, out. Yeah. And then he's like, ha-ha, Boric, you were in the hospital for drugs. And then the hospital's like, no, that never... Yeah. <laughs> so he's making false accusations, too. So he just looks like a complete idiot. Yeah, TV. so now, basically, Sichel told Chile Vamos that they could do whatever they wanted, giving them free... There's a... Um, Free reign to do whatever they want in the like Mesh? support whoever want they want, which yeah basically means I think Sichel's done, and it means yeah. the Chile Vamos will have a big talk about further on about how to go ahead because I know that a lot of people in Chile Vamos don't want to support caste. Right, they just I mean a lot of people don't so I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean I remember in the last presidential election. There were a lot of people on, which I don't, mm, there were a lot of people on the left who refused to vote because they did not, what was, who was it? It was like Guillermo. Yeah. Because they believed that, it was Guillermo and Piñera, because a lot of them believed that Guillermo was just like, just like Piñera, but just like a different flavor. Mm. 
and they thought it was more shameful because he claimed to be from the left, but he wasn't. So, for example, a lot of my friends, my boyfriend included, like, went to the polling station and then put, like, an, an X, like, meaning, like, I sus- uh, abstain. Oh, like, uh, yeah. I abstain from voting because a lot of my friends still think it's important to, like, mm. show your voice, even if it's an, abs- you know, abstain. Like, you still go to the polls. You still do that. Um, but because they believed it was just the same. So I wonder if the right will do that. I doubt it. The right's typically, like, anything as long as it's not a leftist, you know? That's true. But I have had, I have heard, read interviews of right-wing candidates, mm-hmm. well, former candidates, who said that they, um, if they had to choose between, uh, if, you know, if they couldn't support each other, they'd probably prefer Provoste over uh, Yeah, because she's more moderate. Provoste yeah. is more moderate. So, yeah, that's basically, I think it was um, Mario Desbordes, who's, uh, he was the presidential candidate for the National Renewal Party, which is Piñera's, no, Piñera's former party, because Piñera, I think he dropped out of everything. Piñera Piñera just doesn't care anymore. He's done. He's had, he's had, he's had a rough couple years. I mean, it's his fault. Like, he's just made, like, whoever, it was his PR dude needs to be fired, but he's just made so many mistakes, you know, and, um... And he's just, I think he's just tired. He's like, why? I'm a billionaire. Why am I doing this? I just, I should be like, yeah, uh, buy an island and just stay there and just drink Mai Tais for the rest of your life, dude. I think he's probably going to do that. I mean, he's Dude, like, yeah, like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to run a country? That just sounds exhausting. I mean, I'm exhausted just, <laughs> just thinking about trying to run a country. I'm running a podcast and a comedy group. Like, I don't have enough time to run a country. And run a country in the middle of a, polit- of a social... Uprising. A social uprising and then a pandemic. Yeah, back to back. Didn't he say like a few months ago, like this has been the worst two years of my life or three I, years did. of my life? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Maybe. oh man, I wonder what would have happened like if he wasn't the president, you know, like, you know, if, for example, if Beatriz Sanchez, who was the leftist candidate during last election, had won would we have had the social uprising to get the constitution changed? Well, no, because the constitution would have changed either way. Because by and before Piñera Bachelet oh. started the process to change oh, the constitution, and Bea was gonna t- it, we're gonna continue that. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Piñera put a stop to it. Yeah. Because... On the second day, he got well, not Piñera. His um his minister of interior like gave his speech and said that that's not what we want to do. We're not gonna do that. Sure. And he so, never supported oh, and it. Behold, two years after, we're getting a new constitution either way. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Well, that's that's an interesting. I'm. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll, we'll, like Bethany said, we're gonna have a more in-depth coverage about the candidates and what's gonna happen with the elections. Uh, we're less than a month away because I think it's by it's it's November twenty-first. Yeah. So uh, on our next episode, we're gonna have to deep dive into that. So um, we'll keep you updated on on that. If you are eligible to vote, um, you go vote. If you do not know if you're eligible to vote, you can go to the voting website and just put in your route, and it will tell you if you can vote, and it'll tell you where to go to vote, and it's super super easy. So, um, and if you have questions about that, you can always message us at Chili J Podcast on Instagram or email us chilijpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so for today for our Halloween episode, I find murders and disappearances and things like that fascinating. Maybe that's really dark, but I thought like, okay, so <laughs> maybe we'll take this Halloween spooky, creepy, you know, moment to talk about some of the, some cases of disappearances, mysterious disappearances in Chile. So for my case in particular, trigger warning for um, small children death. We're so gonna, We're going to put timestamps. So you can skip this part of yeah. your desire. We're going to end with pinguinos because his is, a, is, is about a, um, an adult. So I guess it's a less, less triggering for some people. I don't know. <laughs> or you can just skip he's this. Over <laughs> he's over He's, he's fine. fine. It's not nearly as, you know, so. No, but yeah, it's under, yeah, I get it. It's understandable. Yeah. So if you want to skip this one, go listen to his or just, just listen to the news. That's fine. Um, but that's what we're doing today. So I'm going to cover the case of Rodrigo and Frunz. So, on June 3rd, 1979, um, the family of Rodrigo Anfruns reported um, him missing. He was playing in the garden in front of his grandparents' house in Providencia when he suddenly disappeared. 
Um, the entire country became part of the desperation of the family who clam- clamored for the safe and sound return of the small child who was presumed to have been kidnapped. So they made emotional calls to the news, to television, to try to obtain the liberation because they really thought he was kidnapped of little Rodrigo. So um, the police mobilized different resources, and um, this was during the dictatorship, so the dictatorship also was collaborating. However, there were no leads to the whereabouts of the small child. Um, so after 11 days of agony on June 14th, Anfrun's lifeless body was found in a, a vacant lot located at the foot of his grandparents' house, which had been searched on several occasions, including with the help of trained dogs. So this was like a very controversial, mysterious moment mm. because they were like, he was just there at the bottom of this this hill and nobody found him. And like the whole country was helping search for this for this little boy. So the culprit, according to the uh, investigative police at the time, was a minor under 16 years of age, identified only with the initials of PPV, who we now know as uh, Patricio Pinchiera Villalobos, and he admitted to the crime and led the detectives to the scene after the con- his confession. So, um, as I said, the people started to suspect some different situation, like that it wasn't really him. Uh, almost immediately because nobody had found the body and they had searched specifically there many times and it was so close to his grandparents' house. Yeah, it's very suspicious, everything. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> so the judge, uh, Ricardo Galvez, who later became a Supreme Court judge, he initially closed the case um, and he was given a, a formal congratulations from La Moneda, the dictatorship at the time, um, and um, and it was, like, praised that he did such a good job on this case. However, as I said, there were numerous doubts about the case, especially um, how the body had spent, as I said, 11 days in this vacant lot. Um, always made the family really uncomfortable that, the, that there was not really legal resolution of this. So, according to a thesis developed by the book Appending Truth by journalist Soledad Pino, Rodrigo Anfrun's papi was kidnapped by mistake, this is what he alleges, by the agents of the dictatorship security services um, due to personal quarrels between the family and armed forces. So, the um, obviously, the uh, secret police denied this. Um, they mistakenly believed that the family was participating in arms trafficking uh, and so they kidnapped the minor to intimidate his family oh god yeah so this is what the this book alleges um so that so they believe this person alleges that the the perpetrators killed the little boy rodrigo and covered up the murder um, because of and were able to do that because of the power that they had in the dictatorship. Mm. And, but in 2004, so this actually happened in the 70s, but in 2004, which is post-dictatorship, the family of Rodrigo testified that she saw a CNI vehicle pick up her son and take him away. She said that she didn't know like the number of the vehicle, but she was like it was the typical like green vehicle that if you live in Chile, you, like you you recognize that mm. has like it's the it's the one where they arrest people in during like protests and stuff and um she believes um sorry he believes the father that um his son was uh, a victim of torture and murder so in 2005 uh, a visiting minister reopened the case due to these accusations only to close it a year later claiming there was no evidence to suggest that the confessed 16 year old wasn't the one responsible However, the investigation was activated again in 2007 until mid-2009 when, again, um, it was closed. So finally, in 2010, the Court of Appeals decided a third time in five years to order new proceedings. Among these new procedures ordered by the Appeals Court is a new report from Legal Medical Services, SML, with experts analyzing the death of the minors um, and also the Carabineros Intelligent directory made an analysis of the contradictions in the police versions of finding the body so there were also like contradictions of how it happened where it happened like why the dogs didn't find this body why people didn't find it 
find it. So they also um, they also questioned Manuel Conteras, which is the former director of DINA, which is the secret police, and the CNI agents who were involved to determine how they participated in the events. So um, they actually ended up in 2011 exhuming the body, and they determined that he had been killed only 48 hours before he was found. So um, he had been kidnapped for nine-ish days and then killed. Oh, God. Yeah, so they also found evidence of torture, including cigarette burns on his body. But um, for his part, the, su- the Supreme Court spokesperson, Nibaldo Segura, stated that resolution in these things does not imply that, there were, <laughs> that, the, that the secret police were involved. So no charges have been... Um, have been filed towards anybody, and the um, the case has not moved forward. And that's what we have so far for that. But it sounds like, God. because it is not unknown for children to be abducted and tortured and murdered yeah. during the dictatorship. That's If you go to the memorial in the National Museum, you see kids, like kids mm. on the memorial, like nine years old infants who were killed by the secret police. Yeah, during the, oh God, yeah. Well, um, and that did, was in 79, so that was like right at the beginning of the yeah. di- dictatorship. Yeah, right at the beginning. What did Mama Con- uh, Manuel Contreras say? That I didn't... Um, or the, did they just ask him? And he, uh, he, they just said that he was interviewed to determine if he participated in the events. But there's no nothing in this article that says what he said exactly. I'm sure he was like, no, I didn't do it. No, no, because Manuel Contreras, he was backstabbed by Pinochet. So after that, he just... Uh, Told everything. Oh, he spilled all the beans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he uh, might not yeah, have that's... known. I mean, they were rounding up so many people back in those days and yeah. killing them. He might not have known specifically if this child. Yeah. Plus, we're talking. What was it? Uh... In Provencia. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is in the center. They're rounding people up. I mean, I'm sure they didn't have. A lot of people have... throughout Santiago in general. So yeah. I mean, maybe it was just a branch of the the Dina who, like, like I said, they were given mistaken. Mistaken information that this mm. family was, or according to this book, this family had done arms deals and were trying to intimidate the family by killing the child. Yeah, so unfortunately, crazy. there were a lot of instances of people just giving false information because they didn't like someone. Yeah, that happens uh, a lot during uh, in, dictatorships in, di- in dictatorships. Yeah, you don't like this person; they uh, took over your fam, they took over your business, or you don't like them, and you're like, "Oh, these people are communists," and then they end up dying for no reason. Not yeah. that being a communist should be a reason for dying, <laughs> but, you know, false information. That's Yeah, good. just false because you pissed the wrong person off. And, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you weren't kidding when you said that that was going to be tough. Yeah, I told you. It's a bit tough, but this is... It, I just thought, you know, um, if we're going to talk about disappearances, we can't Not talk about disappearances mentioned. without talking about the desaparecidos, which are the people who disappeared during the dictatorship. A lot of them. Yeah, so, it's difficult. Thousands. Yeah. So anyway, what's your story? <laughs> well, mine's a little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> uh, a lighthearted disappearance. Yeah, it's well, it's part of a Chilean sort of like ur- well, not urban legend, but something that happened that's been in our cultural aspect for a long time. Mm-hmm. Which you probably heard. Uh, so I'm talking about the disappearance of Teniente Bello, known mm-hmm. as Lieutenant Bello, which gave birth to the saying. Uh, estoy más perdido que el Teniente Bello, <laughs> which is I'm more lost than Lieutenant Bello, which usually it, it, is, it doesn't mean in a loss in a geographical sense, but loss in a mental sense. Okay. Like if you don't know, if you don't know what's going on at any point, it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm estoy perdido como Teniente Bello. Yeah, like when I am in math class. Exactly, like math class. Yeah, I also okay. did not know about math. No, that's why we're writers and podcasters. Exactly. And we don't, we don't get paid the big bucks doing whatever math people do. Ugh. Uh, so, a little bit about his story. He was an, a pioneer of Chilean aviation in 19... He disappeared in 1914. Uh, so, he was born in 1889 in Santiago, but grew up in Chiloé. Uh, in 1909, he joined the army and quickly rose in, la- in ranks. And by 1913, he was a lieutenant. Hmm. Where he, that same year, he started studying to earn his pilot's license which was something new in general in the world. 
Right. What year is this again? 19. He started studying in 1913. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so this is dated. Okay. Yeah. Like, if he, like, we're talking about those big biplanes that Snoopy used to fly. Aw, Snoopy. Uh, so, okay. So, on the morning of March 9th, 1914, uh, Alejandro Bello and his colleague, Lieutenant Ponce, decided they had to take their final exam, which, to earn their pilot's license. Mm-hmm. That consists, the exam consists, con, blah, can't speak today. You got it. Uh, the exam consisted of flying from Santiago to the coast to Cartagena, to more specifically, and back. And they would have 48 hours to do this. So at 9th, uh, at 9.30 a.m., they took off in their planes from Lo Espejo. But because of the st- strong winds and fog, they had to land in an airstrip in Culitrin, which is a bit south of Santiago. And wait for the weather to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 4.55, they resumed their flight with Alejandro Bello in front and Ponce behind him. So I'm going to read uh, the official report from that okay. day. Okay. Uh, at 4.55, we took off. After a 10-minute flight test, we headed west. I was behind Lieutenant Bello on the path to Cartagena. There was a strong wind coming from the coast, while a thick fog kept visibility at a minimum. I never lost sight of Bello, and at 6.20 p.m., around 20 to 30 kilometers east of Melipilla, I saw Bello turning back. I thought maybe we had gotten too high up, and he was adjusting his altitude to go underneath the clouds. When I attempted to copy him, I lost sight, I lost sight of him, and at, and at that point I lost control, and the winds pushed me towards Paine. And that would be the last time anyone would see Bayo and his plane. Dun, dun, dun. So this guy, Ponce, he went back and went back to the airstream because he just couldn't finish the test. Mm-hmm. And so at first, everyone just assumed that Bayo was doing the test or that maybe he had, had to, he had been forced to land somewhere else. Sure. Um, they got multiple people saying, oh, yeah, I saw him landing or near Viña or right. Valparaíso. And so nobody really, they just thought they were wait, waiting to hear from him. Sure. But as time went on, he was, and people noticed that no one knew anything of him, uh, they declared him missing. So a 10-day search was, was put, uh, mm, a 10-day search was headed by the army, the navy, and the police force. Wow. But they, after 10 days, they found no sight of him or his plane. Mm. So that's last time disappeared. And since then, which was in nine, we're talking about 1914, about 100 years ago, um, the Army, the Air Force, and the Navy have made multiple expeditions to try to find him, but have been to no avail. Uh, the last one took place in 2006, where they thought maybe using satellites they'd be able to locate something. Why are they still looking for this dude? Like, why is it important? I think they maybe just pissed off that they can't find it. I mean... <laughs> It's just a guy who disappeared 100 years ago. You can't find a single trace of him. Trace of him. Okay. Yeah, because uh, there's been there's nothing. They can't. They haven't found a, an airplane part or his body. Or I mean, it's obviously aliens. I'm not surprised pro- at all. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and so yeah, and he's become like a sort of like myth in Chilean society, which is like, oh, the Teniente Bello, he's lost. Yeah. He's still in the air somewhere. Yeah dead but because he's a hundred years old or more than that probably maybe he's with hitler <gasps> yeah hitler's still alive somewhere in argentina with with they, they, yeah because i mean back then we're talking about a plane from 1940 it can't go that far no it's very rudimentary like no 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 it's like, it was back then it was plywood and canvas well i mean at this point if it's plywood and canvas it's probably gone it's got composted oh that is true so, I mean, like, what are you even looking for at this point? The engine? I don't know. The engine was made out of paper planes, dude. They <laughs> no, had, like, a huge rubber band just to <laughs> There was a hamster inside the engine. Yeah. Or hamster. Uh, so, yeah, that's the Teniente Bello. So, if you ever hear the saying, you're more lost than Lieutenant Bello. That's, that's what, what it's it from. Means. I didn't know that. That's super interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I think maybe because he was one of the pioneers of Chilean aviation, maybe there's something about trying to find him and sort of honor him in a way. Mm. Oh, man, all the pioneers of Chilean culture are not... Oh, yeah, they're long, do, yeah. Didn't, didn't do too well. No. No, I mean, like, even, like, what is it? Like, the Esmeralda, the most important, like, 
battle in Chilean history, like we lost that battle. Oh yeah, and this medal that was I think it's still in the in underwater in the Gike. Yeah, in Prat we like are like, oh Prat and I'm like he he didn't okay. Yeah, he died. He died in that battle, dude. Yeah. Why are we celebrating him? Like I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there are people who are like, don't you dare talk bad about Prat. Yeah, there are a lot of people who defend a lot. Well, especially people from the Navy, because it's, you know, Arturo Prat. Arturo Prat, the godfather of the Navy. I don't know why I just turned Russian. <laughs> but <laughs> Russian and I said godfather. I'm not good at accents, okay? Uh, so, yeah, it's. I think maybe in the army there's more of like a sense of finding these people and seeing what they did and honoring them. Fascinating. I think disappearances are fast, especially those kinds of disappearances. Mine was a little heavy, but like that, oh, which yeah. is so mysterious. Like, what happened? Like, we'll never know. I mean, maybe we'll know. Maybe they'll find a piece of plywood and be like, this is a very specific type of polished plywood used in 1913 planes. And then we'll be like, we found him. And then two days later, we'll be like, that onto something it. else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe it crashed somewhere and people just used the plywood to build their houses. I mean, that happens a lot. Right. Like, oh, cool. This is very sturdy wood. Yeah. What a cute hamster. I'm going to keep it as a pet. Yeah. Let's hope that happened. Or maybe he's still out there and he just like got sick and just was like, I don't like being a pilot anymore. I'm going to live my life on a farm or something. Maybe. I think this happened before. I mean, again, Hitler. Oh, yeah. He's got a farm (laughs) in the south of Argentina. In the south of Argentina. Yep. There you go. Yeah, so that was uh, the experience of Alejandro. Bello. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah. this episode. I mean, I'm kind of dark and twisty, so that's why I enjoyed this episode. But thank you so much, Pinguino, for well, coming is... on and being the guest today. Well, thanks for letting me speak. That's yeah, you're important. welcome. It'll never happen again. Uh, I can assure you, yeah. Uh, yeah. So don't forget about the events, the horrible movie night on November 11th and the trivia night on November 27th. Those are limited seating, so if you want to go, you need to show up early. For the trivia night, you have to reserve a spot, but we're not take, they're not taking reservations quite yet. But uh, we'll let you know, and it'll be posted on the Instagram, at Chile Today Podcast, and the Facebook, Chile Today Podcast. Um, so keep an eye on those, and thank you for listening, and when in doubt... Gringo out, gringo out. Penguin out. Yeah, yeah penguin bye. Because I'm not gringo, so it's just... <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, the Chile Today podcast is produced by Diego Pinguino Rivera. It is written by Alicia Lubin and Bethany Francis in conjunction with ChileToday.cl. Hope you enjoy.